Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also brought to you by First State Bank, Martin Supermarkets, Gate Chevrolet in South Bend, and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Centier Bank, Weaver Heating and Cooling, Pet Refuge, Sherwood Tire, Floor Coverings International, and Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger. Hey! Wake up! Good morning. You might say what's good about it since it's only 7 a.m. Well, it's a Notre Dame game day and it's a WSBT game day show. We don't care what time of the day it is. We're here to get your Fighting Irish game day started. And we'll do just that with a great list of guests. How about Jimmy Clausen, Michael Floyd, Terry Hanratty, Rocky Blyer, and Chris Haynes. Today, your playoff ranked Notre Dame travels to the University of Clemson to take on the Tigers. This is indeed the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. I'm your host, Tim Growl, with Matt Embry in the studio. Let's bring in the guy that saves the day all the time and, and brought some breakfast to Matt and I. What a nice guy. I do what I can. Jim Arizari, good morning. Hey. You know, we were both, we pulled in about the same time. It's like the weather actually wasn't too bad out there. I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll take this compared to what we had uh, earlier this week. Halloween? It, yeah, Halloween especially. Um, yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty degrees right now. I'm fine with that. That's good. Oh yeah, I'll take that. Good sweatshirt weather. Absolutely. Hey, if you're listening on WSBT Radio uh, 960, or you might be streaming us at WSBTRadio.com, or through the free WSBT Radio app. And this morning we are on Twitch, so you get to see the bags under our eyes. Actually, we look all pretty chipper today too. Okay. If you say that. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> well, as I stepped in the mud on that one, how about your thoughts on today's game with the Tigers? Uh, it's kind of been what I've been saying uh, ever since the Pittsburgh game, really. Um, as long as Notre Dame takes care of business and goes down to Clemson, this one they may have a little bit of leeway on as far as like how close it is mm-hmm. you know, and how that affects maybe their standing as far as a New Year's Six Bowl goes. Um but as long as long as they go down there, they win. They win convincingly, you know, like by fourteen over Clemson. Then that you know they might actually take a jump up. You know, maybe take a step over LSU. Maybe step past Louisville in the uh, in the playoff rankings. So and then they might be headed to a New Year's Day game. They could possibly get in. Yeah, yeah. If they lose, it's a three tier bowl. It's the 
Yeah. It's the, the Pop-Tart Bowl or something. <laughs> saw, yeah, I exactly. The, uh... <laughs> I think in my life I've seen every name of every place just about that. Sometimes you got, oh, let's go to the Weed Eater Bowl in Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. You know, it's, <laughs> the, pool it's on, the Pool on Weed Eater Bowl. Right. I remember that one. We do know it is a tough place to play because it's got a lot of nicknames down, oh, absolutely. down there. Yeah. You know, The Rock, Death mm-hmm. Valley. Yep. So uh, let's get our Irish uh, up and get them going. Come on, guys. I'm sure they are down there. Hey, and we're going to start with our uh, first guest. Here's an interview we just did the other day with uh, Jimmy Clausen and Michael Floyd because uh, they're both in some faraway places, and it's really kind of hard to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Here we go. Hey, Jimmy, why don't you tell us, uh, let's catch up with you. I, I saw online a beautiful picture of your, your family right around Christmas time, but you've got three kids now, right? Yeah, three kids, a uh, six-year-old boy, Cooper, four-year-old boy, Jet, and a two-year-old g- girl, Haley, and uh, my wife, Jess. have been married together for eight years now. So, And what's going on career-wise right now? Yeah, so I'm a developer in, in Los Angeles, uh, mainly focusing in uh, buying and flipping single-family homes. Uh, also, just recently got my general contractor's license, so I'm working with some individuals, also other developers, um, on quick you know, fix-and-flip type remodels or value-add, adding square footage to a property or you know, tearing down houses and uh, building new construction. So I've uh, been busy since I got done playing the NFL and I'm uh, having a lot of fun. Hey, Michael, let's catch up with you. Uh, you, you have anybody go out for trick-or-treating last night? Uh, I did not. I stayed um, with my two youngest, um, Michael Jr., who's three, um, my daughter Liv, who's one, and then my oldest, who went out with her um, friend. Her name is uh, Sienna. She's 10. I did not have to go out. Oh, that's great when you get them to be that that age. Hey, let me ask both both of you, and Michael, since we're just w- with you right at the moment, do you have any qualms with uh, a son playing football? I really don't think he's really interested in that. And um, now, um, you know, he sees me, you know, when we watch, you know, old film or me or, you know, old games, that's all he sees uh, football-wise. But now that I'm, you know, a big advocate of golf and uh basketball you know that's what we try to uh really get into sounds like two great sports to me how about you jimmy yeah my wife's very similar she doesn't really want our boys to play football but um you know i i'm kind of the same way i mean it's at the end of the day if if they want to play they want to play um you know my wife and i aren't gonna probably say no to that when it you know, comes down to it, but we're not really trying to push football. Uh, you know, the boys are in baseball right now, basketball. They love going out playing golf with me. Um, they love, you know, doing water sports and snow sports. So whatever they're interested in, that's, you know, what we're trying to, you know, let them do and have fun. And they'll, you know, once they, they get a little bit older, they're, you know, going to find their niche and, and, you know, really figure out what they want to do. Who's winning the uh, the family golf game? What's that? Who's winning the family golf game? Uh, I'm winning the family golf game, and if we're <laughs> talking Michael and I, I'm definitely winning that one as well. There you go. Oh, Michael, you got something to say about that? <laughs> yeah, um, Tim, um, just to let you know, Jimmy is right now laughing. <laughs> um, you can't see it, but if we did, if we were on Zoom – 
uh, or on video, you would definitely see that big smile of his because you know he's um, telling a big, uh, big lie right there. So. <laughs> no, he, Michael, I am laughing actually right now, but Michael always no. seems to play well when we don't play together. But uh, for whatever reason, when we play together, he just gets nervous. So I'm not too sure why why that happens, but um, that's uh, that, that's that's been what's going on the past couple of years when we play together. Have you guys played up here at Warren Course at Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I, I was up there say, for. Go, go ahead, Michael. Go, Jimmy. Go. No, yeah, I I haven't played there in a long time since I got done. Um, you know, since I graduated, but you know, when we were in college, we used to go up there and hit balls and play all the time. Michael, did you play there? Um, I just played um, there for the Golic Foundation, sure. their little yeah. charity event. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, unlike uh, Jimmy, you know, I didn't really pick up golf in college, uh, so um, yeah. So basically, uh, that's been the last time, the only time that I've been going up there with, uh, you know, just for the. Uh, the Golic event. Well, now I know why you guys didn't want to have the Zoom thing because uh, you, you, we'd see the different faces on each other right now <laughs> <laughs> and, and tried to read. But later on, I was going to ask this, but I'll just ask this now. So between the two of you, Michael, we'll start. Who's the better smack talker? Oh, oh man. I, I think for, I can answer for both of us. Um, I really don't think like neither of us really talk a lot of stuff. Um, to opponents at all unless they, you know, really like Agathon. Um I'm usually I try to play you do my trash talking with how I play. Um and uh I think Jimmy could probably say the same thing too because one we we both really can't put the words together to trash talk, which is some kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, you concur? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean I, I'm not a big trash talker, but when if something happens or someone said something then um i could definitely open up my mouth and you know get a little hot-headed um but yeah that's not my that's not my forte to to you know initiate it let's get into some uh, your guys football career this is the legacy heating air game day show on sports radio 960 wsbt we're with former Notre Dame quarterback Jimmy Clausen and former uh, Notre Dame wide receiver uh, Michael Floyd. So, Jimmy, well, let's start with you. Do you remember the first time you met Michael? First time I met Michael, um, I don't know the first time. It, it might it might have been his official visit when he came in um, after the game, and then we went to our dorm, and then we you know, went out afterwards. But I, 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 if I remember correctly, that's probably the first time I met him. Because you're ahead of him, right? You were already there yeah, for so a year. Yeah, I was ahead of him. Yeah. Here. Michael, do yes. you recall the first time you guys met? Uh, I believe it was the same time. But, um, but my official visit, actually, uh, I committed uh, on the day of, um, you know, USD came in and kind of um, gave us a big uh, pounding up in South Bend. Uh, but you know, I liked the energy. I liked the uh, the way um, Coach Weiss at the time was. Um, you know, he was just super confident in what he does, and um, mainly the players, uh, Jimmy and uh, another friend of mine, Ian Williams, uh, who I kind of hung out with a lot there. Um, you know, they tr- kind of convinced me. Just the kind of people that I wanted to be around, uh, that were that wanted kind of the same kind of a 
set the same kind of goals as me. So uh, that's what made me want to uh, go there for sure. Jimmy, so you had a fabulous high school career, if I remember right, 42-0, and 0, uh, a, a lot of hype and everything. But what was the deciding factor? Because you were recruited by all sorts of teams like Michael, or schools like Michael was. What was the deciding factor for Notre Dame? Yeah, you know, Notre Dame just being, um, you know, not only a nationwide brand, but, you know, all over the country, um, you know, out of the States as well, you know, around the world, everyone knows the brand of Notre Dame football and, you know, the University of Notre Dame. But I think the the, the biggest factor was Coach White. You know, my ultimate goal was to, to play in the NFL and, um, you know, for, for Coach White coming off of – I think they won three out of the past four Super Bowls. Yeah, um, that's kind of a telling factor. And I and I also wanted to go to a school where the head coach was the offensive coordinator or was an offensive mind. Um, just because you know people come and go all the time, and you know, especially if you have a, a head coach who's a defensive mind, you know, the offensive coordinator could get a job and leaves. Um, and that's basically what happened at, at USC uh, with Coach Sarkeesian. He was there for one more year, then went to Washington. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to go to a, you know, a program that the head coach, you know, was also an offensive mind. Take any heat from the, the locals going, leaving Southern Cal in California for the fighting Irish? Yeah, definitely. Definitely took, took some heat, you know, at the time. Um, and then obviously when when I was at Notre Dame, we went 0-3 against them. So definitely took heat, you know, during those weeks leading up and after the game. But um, everything's good now. You know, married a SC girl. She played, my wife Jess played volleyball at SC. So, um, you know, there's no hard feelings there. So how was that? How was that a few weeks ago, you guys watching that game together? It was great for me. Uh, <laughs> bragging rights for you know this uh, this whole year, and you know we'll see how it goes next year. Hopefully, be able to get to the the game, you know, at, at the Coliseum next year. That's kind of been uh, our thing that we've been doing is you know for the past I think two or three years we've gone to the SC Notre Dame game over Thanksgiving weekend when um, Notre Dame comes comes to Southern California. Michael, any split rivalries in, in your, um, not just your immediate family, but your extended family where um, you go into some of these games watching them and somebody on the family's rooting for somebody else? Uh, no, not really. You know, being from Minnesota, a lot of people, uh, you know, they go to Minnesota and they're golfer fans. Uh, but I really wanted to, uh, you know, jump on what Jimmy was saying about just Coach Weiss, and that was kind of a sure. real deciding factor to go to Notre Dame. Uh, just because uh, I'm a big, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like dealing with honest people. And I thought Coach Weiss was a, a super honest guy. And the, I like guys who fumble their words. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coach Weiss does. And you know he's not, you know, a salesy guy. And uh, I that that's why I really enjoyed about him a lot because he wasn't, he, he told the truth. And he told it how it was. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that about him. Uh, so there's a lot of misconception about Coach Weiss. So we'll, we'll, let's, before we get into the careers, let's talk about that, Michael, since you brought it up. We'll start with you first. So what what was the biggest, was or maybe still is, the biggest misconception about Coach Weiss? Uh, I mean, I just think she's just a, a down-to-earth 
coach and he's just gonna just tell you how it is um i don't really know all the things i've you know said about him but i just know from my experience that I was mean, a good one i mean when he, even even from um you know nowadays kids are getting paid but i remember you know specifically you know we were at Roos chris and uh an official visit and one of the kids i can't recall his name uh he did not attend notre dame after that visit but he tried to um you know, ask for extra things. Mm. And Coach Rice just told him straight up, you know, if you're thinking of getting extra stuff here, you know, we don't want you here because we don't do that. So, uh, you know, I I just I just think he's a he's a honest guy, and he just tells you how it is, and uh, that's that, that's why I wanted to play for him. Jimmy, how about how about that? Your your your, your conception of Coach Weiss against what maybe some of the stereotypes are out there of him. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is, you know, some people, you know, a lot of people liked him. A lot of people did not like him. There there was not a gray area. It was either black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know, I think coming from the NFL, there's a different mentality when you come to college. Um, you know, different, you know, different kids, different age groups, everything like that. And also, you know, in, in the NFL with Coach White, he was – all he was doing was he was offensive coordinator. So he was only focusing on the offense. And then when he got to Notre Dame, you know, he was the head coach, but also the offensive coordinator. And he kind of had to juggle around a little bit. So, you know, I, I think it, it uh, took him, you know, a little bit of time to, to get used to that going, you know, not only just managing the offense, but also the defense and the entire team and the entire organization. Um, but I, I thought he did a, a great job of that. He got, you know, way too much heat for that um but you know hitting on what michael said is i mean the biggest thing about coach white is he's he's honest you know to a fault he's just he's going to tell you how it is he's not going to sugarcoat anything and you know whether you like it or you don't like it it means he's just going to tell you the truth so i really appreciate that about him and um you know i had a great relationship with him um he was very hard on me you know at, at times you know but the only reason he was was because I was, you know, either messing up or, you know, he wanted to make me better. And I appreciated that, um, you know, about Coach Weiss. Let's move to starting uh, your careers there. And, and, Jimmy, real quick, firstly, you're there, like you said earlier, before Michael came. So that first year, the, the plan was not you starting or playing a lot right away. Is that correct? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to uh, – play at all until like you know the middle of the season to maybe the end because Mm -hmm. i just you know when i came into school early um i was you know working out and everything in the summertime and i had uh elbow surgery so i had two bone spurs in my elbow and i had surgery and you know i wasn't ready to go you know come week one when we played uh i think it was georgia tech and demetrius started and then coach weiss threw me out there in like the fourth quarter but i mean i I should have never played that game or, you know, the Penn State game at all because I just, you know, I was probably 60% mm-hmm. at the time, 67% at the time, you know, and being a freshman trying to play, you know, against Georgia Tech, Penn State and stuff like that. I mean, you need to be 100% right. and it's still for a lot of, for a lot of true freshman kids that are playing, you know, even being 100%, that's, it's not good enough um, because, you know, you're just, trying to get a feel for college football. It's obviously different than high school, way faster, 
you know, guys are bigger, stronger, all that kind of stuff. And you're still trying to pick up on all the nuances of, of the offense and the different defenses that you're facing. So, um, you know, definitely a different disadvantage, but, um, you know, when it went in there and, you know, trying to do my best and you know, obviously, obviously the first year wasn't good enough. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just, that was a struggle for sure. Um, but you know, being a, being a young kid, you know, you want to go in there and you want to play, you know, whether you're right. hurt or, right. or not, you know, you just want to get out there and play. Did that, uh, did you end up uh, and have some uh, confidence issues because of that in yourself? Or did you know, I, I just need more time and more experience and I'm going to play the way I know how to play? No, but yeah, I, I just, I needed more time. First thing is I needed to get healthy, you know, and right. then I needed to be in the offense and learning everything more and getting more reps at it. You know, the more reps you take in practice and in games, the better you're going to get, but it's hard when, you know, you're injured and you can't, you know, do everything that you want to do, make all the throws that you want to make. Um, so that, you know, limited me a little bit, but, um, you know, not, not to make excuses or anything, but that was, you know, that was, um, that was what it was. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't healthy until the end of the year. Correct. Right. Right. Hey guys, we're going to just take a quick break here and come right back. And Michael, we're going to start with you and your, your freshman year, if you guys don't mind. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back in the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're in the cozy studios of of WSBT as the team uh, prepares for tonight's game against Clemson. So let's bring this dynamic duo back in. Uh, Jimmy Clausen, quarterback in the early mid and late 2000s and then Michael Floyd who joined him when Jimmy was a sophomore Michael let's pick up where Jimmy was at what was your transition from high school to Notre Dame and I did not see a chart or a stat like when you first um, played a game for so why don't you fill us in on that Uh, well when I came in uh, you know I was a uh, I didn't actually start the first game uh, I think David Grimes was uh, starting as the Z, um, but he got hurt. And uh, I remember I came in, the next play was like an all-go. Coach Weiss called it, and it was like, a, I don't know, a 50 some yard touchdown. And then from that day forward, they moved uh, David Grimes into the slot, and, um, you know, that was my position from mm-hmm. until I left. Um, I Yeah, I mean, Coach Weiss dialed up some – great things for us um and i think it was just the, the relationship that you know me and jimmy and, and golden had uh i remember you know my sophomore year um i think i was going for my eighth or ninth touchdown versus michigan state and uh, i broke my collarbone uh, so you know i was i was on the verge of winning a blending cough and uh you know the guy on the opposite side of me uh wanted that year golden so um you know it's always it's always good that um, sucks that I didn't win it, but uh, it's good to always know that you know someone else on our team uh, got the award. So um, it all worked out. So Jimmy, when uh, uh, Michael's now uh, one of the receivers out there and starting in, with you, and in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, what's the attributes you think that made Michael a great c- receiver for you to look for on any play? Uh, I think the, the, you know, the first thing is, I mean, he's, you know, six, three, six, three and a half, whatever he is. So his size was definitely, 
a disadvantage for every corner that we went up against. Um, you know, throwing up a jump ball to him. Uh, but I think uh, one of the biggest things that he was, you know, he was a long strider, and he was he was really good at getting in and out of breaks. And I don't think people give him or gave him enough credit, you know, of how good of a route runner he was. So I think we spent a lot of time just with all the receivers and tight ends and backs and everything, just, you know, going over timing routes and, you know, getting to your correct depth and stuff like that. So where once we went out in the game, it was, it was very easy, uh, you know, to throw the ball to, to Michael and, you know, all the rest of the guys, um, you know, it was just repetition over and over and over again, watching tape together and going over, Hey, if they do, you know, if they give us this look, we're going to do this and everyone just being on the same page. Michael, every quarterback is is described differently. Throws a softball, throws a hard ball, or whatever. So, um, what kind of ball did uh, Jimmy throw to you? So I, I, I honestly think probably one of the best best balls that I've um, had in my career ever. I mean, I mean, you know, not too many guys can you know if you're running a shallow route, then you know pick touch off of it. Um, they just throw a bullet, and usually it's incomplete. As in, you know, you know, Jimmy can can read the defense and can see you coming around as a shallow, and you know, can just kind of flick it to you, so you're able to catch it without having, you know, mm-hmm. to stand there getting a bullet. But also, you know, he could throw a deep dig in there versus cover two, you know, twenty yards down the field on a on a line. So you know, it's just depending on what the route was. Uh, I think, uh, you know probably one of the best quarterbacks I've played with in, in, in my career. Hey, Jim, do we have one of those um, cuts ready to go? Yes, we do. Wildcat. Klausen is off to the left. Here comes Tate around now. Here comes the double reverse. Klausen's going to throw wide open. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Michael Floyd. Klausen in a foot race. Has to throw it in. So got a man. Kept one foot in bounds. Touchdown. What a great catch over there by Michael Floyd. Well, I got goosebumps when I was looking through on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing. It's just all of Jimmy Clausen's touchdowns. And I just sat there and looked at it. And being a longtime fan and around here, I, I forgot how exciting that was when you were playing, Jimmy, and throwing that and Michael catching that and then also having Golden Tate there. I mean, uh, long for the day, you know, of having that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. Especially my my junior year, you know, the end, end of our so- end of my sophomore year, and then you know, pretty much all of our junior year, you know, it was it was so much fun, and it was you know, we went into every single game just thinking, you know, no one's going to be able to stop us, um, and you know, it was it was just so much fun. I mean, I wish we would have won more games, and it was. You know, it seemed like it came down to whoever had the ball, you know, at the end of the game was going to win. You know, if we got the ball, we knew we were going to go down and score. And, um, you know, it was just it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of, um, you know, great memories, you know, a lot of touchdown passes, you know, just just we were just having fun out there, you know, and, and that I, I think was, you know, one of the best times of, of my you know, career, whether it was in college or high school or the NFL, because, you know, we were, we were in tune in the offense. We knew exactly what to do versus whatever, you know, the defense was going to give us. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter what the defense was going to do. It was, it was all about us. 
Right. We knew and we were very confident that we would go out there and, um, you know, if Coach Weiss called up a passing play, then, you know, we would execute it and and go down the field and and score. So it was, um, you know, a lot of great memories and a lot of fun. Michael Floyd, when you hear those uh, cuts and stuff, what goes through your mind? Well, I know that I know that's in Stanford. So, um, uh, <laughs> you know, the good thing is it was against Richard Sherman. Uh, Jimmy is rolling out to the right, uh, and but I mean it's 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 memories and it's it's uh, it starts off with like friendship from day one. I got on campus, you know, um, you know I kind of you know got glued to Jimmy and uh, him being older. You know that the expectations of me coming there also if I wanted to play was to you know, having laser focused and, uh, you know, making sure that I know what everything that is going on. Um, I think that was football really comes easy to me. And, um, you know, it, it, it became easy to watch because not only were we um, on tune with each other on the field, but it also just started off the field of being just great friends. Um, and we all, you know, I kind of said it earlier, just kind of the same goal, of, you know, wanting to be the best and, um, when you when you put yourself around them kind of people, it kind of just all mold together. And uh, we were, I think, we were super successful on the offensive side. I can just hear your guys' enthusiasm, and I'm amazed. I mean, Michael, you started telling, you knew exactly without looking at this, but hearing it, how he was rolling out, and and the play is still vividly in your mind. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think we lost that game though, but uh, well, that's you know, but like Jimmy, well, like Jimmy said though. It, it, I mean, I can, it can, we probably had about, I don't know, several games that came down to a, whoever had the ball last. I mean, I, right. I think we beat Michigan one time in my career, and the other three times, you know, we lost in the last 45 seconds. Oh. It wasn't lack of offense in those years. It was lack of uh, just an effective defense, just one more stop here or there, and your, your guys' record would have been, you know, totally, totally different. Um, we're with um, Michael Floyd, uh, Jimmy Clausen on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Uh, let's go up to nowadays and stuff. Um, Jimmy, uh, Sam Harbin went around and, and met a lot of Notre Dame quarterbacks to find out what it was like to be a Notre Dame quarterback, and you were one of them. How? How? Tell us. Walk us through that. Yeah. So we were um, we were on in Malibu actually. Uh, you know, on the beach, and there was a little event for some of the some of the Notre Dame student athletes, and you know, got to chat with him for quite some time. And it was good to just you know get to know him a little bit. You know, ask him why he left uh, and why he, why he chose Notre Dame. And you know, um, he's a he's you know got a great head on his shoulders, and you know he's he's very smart, very mature, and you know I think he's doing a great job of handling you know being the Notre Dame quarterback, just you know coming in. Um, and, you know, obviously playing, playing very well and taking care of the football and, um, you know, just, just, a, just a good person, um, you know, for the short time that I was able to, you know, speak with him and we still keep in contact and you know, we texted, you know, last week or two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I think he's doing a great job. Michael, have you had any, um, I know you were on a couple weeks ago and I think the answer is no interaction with, uh, personal interaction with Sam. Um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how the, it's college is so different than how, you know, it was when we were in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could have sworn when I was at noodles and company 
that this dude was eating right next to me. But I couldn't really tell. <laughs> Unless he had, like, a clone that looked just like him. But I, I could have sworn it was him. But, like, I didn't know because the game was that day. But I don't know how the rules are now. When If kids can just, where he lives, if he can just go downstairs and grab some noodles with his buddy. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it is. But uh, it, was, it was crazy. But I, I think it was him. You walk around that camp campus, what's crazy is these little, you know, bot things going around from, uh, yeah. uh, what, Hub? What's it called, the, the food things? HubSpot? HubSpot or something like that. Have you guys seen that on the campus, those things going around and taking food to the uh, dorms for the for anybody that orders the food? No, I'm not. It's quite weird, believe me. It's quite weird. And I mean, there's not one, there's not two. There's like a... Uh, there's like an army. There's like a... T- yeah, they're all over the campus delivering food. Boy, if you guys would have that, what would... Let's see, what would be the choice, Jimmy? Would you have uh, CJ's um, hamburgers delivered to you back in that time? Or would it be wings from one of the restaurants here in town? It would have been... The Bang Bang Shrimp from Bonefish. Ah, I like that. I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Mike, how about you? Um, I would say the Bang Bang Chicken from uh, Bonefish, but also uh, I really like the, uh, the at, at the time we were there, it was Subway and Tabaro on campus. Sure, and down so, in, yeah, down in the. exactly where I would go to. Yeah, down in the, uh, yeah. I can't think, the, the building or whatever. Yeah, I, I remember. I used to go over there all the time, too, for that. Let's uh, well, let's ask Michael. Or Steak and Shake. What's that? Or Steak and Shake off uh, campus. Oh, there you go. yeah, that's that's mine thing. Yeah. You know what? Um, uh, Michael Floyd and, and uh, Jimmy Clausen, let's ask you about some of the things that's uh, hot topics going on right now. Jimmy, uh, transfer portal, what's your take on that for college football? Yeah, it's kind of the wild, wild west right now. I mean, there's, you know, guys transferring in, transferring out. Um, I, I mean, I think the NCAA has got to get a got to get a handle on, on that. Um, you know, there's just there's not a lot of loyalty to you know kids going to schools. But at the same at the same time, I'd say that you know it's the same thing for coaches. I mean, there's not a lot of loyalty with these coaches and. You know, the coaches are telling kids and their parents, hey, you know, I'm going to be here. You know, I signed this long extension and boom, a year later, they're gone or two years later, they're gone. So that kind of leaves the kids hanging there. So I think I think they need to figure something out for, you know, not only the, the players, but also the coaches as well. That leads me to because you, you left early after your junior year. Any regrets about doing that? No, no regrets. I mean. The, the kind of year that, that I had my junior year, you know, even with, you know, tearing two tendons in my big right toe, you know, the way I was able to play, you know, through through that, you know, throughout the entire year. I mean, I, I don't think I could have played any better than I did. You're right. Um, so, and there's also the, you know, the, the factor of, you know, getting injured and stuff like that. So I just... I, there, there's no regrets, you know, whatsoever. I just, you know, uh, I don't think I could have had a better year than than uh, what I did. So that was the main, you know, reason why I left. No, you had a quarterback rating that year of one sixty one point four. No, I don't think you can do much better than that. Not bad. Yeah, That's it's okay. Bad. It's okay. Hey, uh, Michael, how about your take on the transfer portal? Yeah, I I, I think it's super crazy. Um, you know, there's like Jimmy said, there's really no loyalty, and you know, if, if and if you you choose a school 
for a coach, you know, or, or uh, a teammate, and these guys, you know, end up leaving. You know, you're kind of stuck there, you know, thinking like, you know, should you leave or not? I mean, and, you know, when you come down to it, you know, education is like the biggest thing. And, you know, you you want to kind of land in a spot where you feel super comfortable and, uh, you know, you enjoy, you know, the atmosphere and the kids and, and the campus. But, like, when you're able to, you know, be able to, you know, transfer, you know, any time at will, I mean, it doesn't really give you that, that college experience that I think every student or student athlete should um, should experience. Let's end, uh, end on something, some fun stuff here. So between, we already talked about the two of you kind of smack talking each other and stuff. Who's who's the better joke teller or comedian between the two of you? And whoever wants to start can me. start. Michael, what? Me. Yeah. Me. Um, me. There's, there's, that's, that's, just, uh, that's my personality. Um, <laughs> I, that's, just, that's just how I am. I could be super serious, but also, you know, I can, I can joke around a lot. I love... I love having fun, even though when it's supposed to be, you know, a serious time. I don't think anything in life really needs to be taken super seriously. So, um, you know, whenever there's guys that are super focused and, and lays it in, you always got to, you know, have some laughter in that, too, because you don't want to be too uptight with anything. Jimmy, Michael, the better comedian, choke teller? Uh, he might have better jokes, but I make him laugh more than he makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're back. To oh, snacks. I wish again we were on Zoom. We could see this because I, I love it. I love it. Any any comeback on that, Michael? Um, no, nah, I'm gonna just leave it at that. That's, that's <laughs> I'll, I'll let the people hear that. Yeah. Okay, okay, Jimmy, best dresser between the two of you. I am. Oh, Michael wears his sweats. Oh, Michael wears his what? Sweats, I think. Oh, sweats? Oh, he wears his sweats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Michael, if you're getting dressed up for something, you know what? Are you a killer or, or is a Jimmy overshadowing you? Overshadowing you? Um, I don't know. I think that might be a tie. Jimmy has some uh, pretty nice clothes. You know, he puts on the little cowboy hat. You know, as you see in social media, like him and his wife and his family, you know, really – you know, do it up when it comes to costumes or getting ready for a party or anything like that. But, yeah, I would say a tie, but he is also right about, like, sweat. You know, people are super surprised when I wear, you know, jeans even now, um, <laughs> being a real estate agent that, uh, you know, they're like, wow, Michael, I've never seen you in, in jeans before. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm usually in sweat. So he got, he, he's right about that one. <laughs> this is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT with Jimmy Clausett and Michael Floyd. Do either one of you do an impression of Coach Weiss? I can't. Michael can. Uh, no, I don't think uh, there's a lot of like uh, explicit language that uh, <laughs> you know, we can't really say too much on here. But I would say this. And I would, um, the reason why, and I, I kind of go by this with meeting people too. If you're able to curse, I feel like you're getting the real person and no one <laughs> think, like we said earlier. So even if you're getting mother asked all the time, um, you know, it just, it's, it's just that, it's just him. It's yeah. him being him, and that's how he talks. And you know, he's telling the truth. He could string a few, uh, 
<laughs> he could. A choice line he or two, couldn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's finish up with uh, Jimmy. What do you want to see out of the Irish tonight and for the rest of the season in the quarterback? And offense in general, we'll put yeah. that too. Yeah, offense in general. I mean, obviously they have a great uh, running game, you know, so that's that helps out Sam a lot. Um, you know, a lot of play action, just pushing the ball down the field. I mean, I think he's got a strong arm and they got some weapons on the outside. I mean, just pushing the ball down the field and giving, you know, Sam some opportunities to, to you know, make those long completions and, um, you know, get some explosive plays. Yeah, it seemed like we were doing that the first four games and then something just happened that they didn't seem like they wanted to stretch the field. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. That's what I that's what I've been seeing. But you know, I was watching the past two weeks and like, hey, they need to take a shot here, and they finally took shots, mm-hmm. and they um, you know execute them, got some explosive plays, and you know, I think that's what they need. I mean, they're they're so good running the ball. You know, up front they're they're very physical and you know pushing, getting the ball downhill, and I mean that's that's the best time to be able to you know take advantage of. You know, all the linebackers coming up, safeties coming in the box and, and taking shots down the field. So I can tell from what you're saying, when you watch the game, can you sit and enjoy it? Or do you are you analyzing and looking at the coverages? Yeah, no, I, I look at everything. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the whole thing, you know, kind of like I, I would when I'm watching tape. But, you know, I watch the whole game and enjoy it. But also, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the coverage, looking at the fronts and, you know, where the blitz is coming from and, you know, who the hot guy is going to be and stuff like that. So I'm still, you know, kind of dialed in on, you know, what defenses are doing, what they're trying to do to, you know, Notre Dame's offense. And, uh, you know, obviously on the defensive side too, just watching to see what, what Notre Dame is doing and, you know, what they're good at. Michael, what do you want to see out these out of these young receivers? And and now we're down um, a major receiver in the tight end position, but I know we've got a, a, a lot of them behind that. But what do you want to see tonight in, at, at Clemson and also uh, later in the season? Um, I mean, if I was in that um, meeting room, you know, I would just say be ready uh, for the opportunity uh, because obviously, you know, we're going to run the ball uh, with big numbers seven. So, you know, that leaves, you know, play action. And you know when you have some of these guys in the box, you know it only is going to take that that one that one shot, that one big shot is going to come, and it's either going to be a complete pass or an incomplete. So um, you know you just I just feel like you just got to be ready no matter what. You know obviously they talk a lot about the run game, but you know um, you know through history, you know there's just the passing game been super explosive through um, from what I've been seeing, and yeah, I would just say just. Just be ready for the opportunity, and because uh, that might be coming tonight. Well, we appreciate you guys, uh, everything you're saying. Either one of you want to take a parting shot at each other before I wrap it up? <laughs> nah, I'm, no, I'm actually going out to I'm actually going out to his house um, for um, for his little Christmas little get together. So I'll I'll probably snatch up some clothes and see what he has in his wardrobe. So I can take it home with me. <laughs> yeah, I do have one of your old suits that I got to give back to you. So, <laughs> um, will there be a golf game while you guys are out there? That that depends on the wife. I mean, and how crazy our kids are. So, um, yeah, probably not though. 
Oh, shoot. I was going to check with you. If we're in a bowl game, check out on that golf game. But uh, I'm sure you guys will get together for a lot of things. Uh, it, it's really great that you guys have this great, uh, this good relationship still together. And I can tell about that. And uh, thank you both for giving me some uh, uh, highlights today that I, I was at my office and I got a little loud. It's my agency, but I got a little loud and had to kind of tune it down. But a lot of excitement and a lot of great memories for back then. And we want you guys and your families to have a lot of success and good health in the future. And we thank you both for being on. Yeah. Thank, thank you guys for having us. Appreciate it. Team, it's snowing again tomorrow. They're predicting two to three feet. Tis the overtime season for Frank Snowplows. Kelly, can you take another shift? Let it snow, quality driver applicants. Hey guys, know anybody else with a D license? Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. All backed by real people ready to help so you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter code FOOTBALL at checkout. That's harrys.com, code FOOTBALL. Enjoy! Carpenters Union Local 413 was established in 1900. Our 700 local carpenters, millwrights, and floor coverers, along with over 90 contractors, have built or renovated many universities and hospitals, along with commercial and industrial facilities. We're interested in talking with prospective carpenters. We offer an excellent wage and benefits package. If you're an individual or a company looking to build or renovate, let us help ensure that your project is a successful one. Check us out at IKORCC.com or call us at 574-233-2138 and go Irish. It's important to have goals, especially when it comes to your business. Hi, I'm Ryan Bischel, 2023 Big Ten Goaltender of the Year. I know firsthand how important goals are, and especially how to protect them. I protect the goal for Notre Dame, just like First State Bank protects the financial goals for the people of Michiana. If you have important business-related goals, be sure to talk to one of the helpful lenders at First State Bank or visit them at bfirst.bank. Experienced, trusted, local. First State Bank. Member FDIC. 
If your company needs a solution to stand out for effective communication, call U.S. Sign Crafters. For 30 years, U.S. Sign Crafters has partnered with hundreds of national and local businesses to provide and install custom-made signs and canopies. They'll provide the proper services needed to thrive in today's ever-changing business environment. Every U.S. Sign Crafters project is tailored to meet your needs on time and on budget with quality craftsmanship and service. The reliable team of good people at U.S. Sign Crafters are ready to partner with you. Visit their gallery on their website at ussignecrafters.com. Since 1978, Pet Refuge has meant shelter and love for thousands of furry friends in our community while waiting for their forever homes. If you're 18 or older and love dogs, cats, or just enjoy making a difference, Pet Refuge needs you. Volunteer to be a foster home or assist during adoption events. They also need help with office work, cleaning, feeding, and maintenance. If you can spare four hours a week, you can make a difference. Go to PetRefuge.com to fill out a volunteer application or visit their shelter Monday through Saturday between 10 and 3. Oh, a little bit of a Notre Dame fighting Irish band to uh, <laughs> continue the day. So that was a great interview with uh, Jimmy and yeah. Michael. Yeah. Nice of them to take that time in the middle of their work day to do that. Yeah. I can tell they still uh, have some uh, great rapport. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can, you can tell that they're, they're still good friends. That's, can you imagine that's their cool golf game if they, they get, finally get together? And oh, play? man. <laughs> I both. I wanted to ask him what each handi- each one's handicap was, but I thought, eh, well, we'll just leave it at that because either one was going to say they were better than the other guy. Right. So, um, you were reading something earlier about h- how oh, God, this, I got to I, I got to pull this up then. About, uh, is that the Rock? Were you going to talk about? Oh, the Rock. No. What, okay. or what did you have there? You want to? Uh, it was the here. it was the the Michigan thing. But let's 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 do let's talk the rock first. Because I couldn't figure uh, out why it's called Death Valley and also the Rock, but you had an interesting story. Yeah, there's uh <laughs> first of all it's a uh, piece of quartzite. Ah, okay. Um and let's see, here we go. The Rock was brought to football co- Clemson football coach Frank Howard in the early nineteen sixties as a gift from uh, from a guy named Samuel C. Jones. He found the rock while driving through Death Valley, California and gave it to Howard as a reference to Death Valley in the name Oh, I think I'll just see that rock. I think I'll take yeah. it with me. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, like look at the size of this rock. It's, you know. Oh my goodness, gracious. It's not it, you know, like it's just that part on top, but yeah. it's not like, you know, it's not like small. Well, back in the 60s, he put that rock in his back for those rear-end cars for tr- Right. For yeah. Weight. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, in the snow and whatnot. Right. Uh, the coach used the rock as a doorstop until 1966. So, real well. Uh, He was cleaning out his office when a uh, Clemson booster, Gene Williman, uh, he told him, take this rock and throw it over the fence or out in the ditch, do something with it, but get it out of my office. Well, I will tell you the size of that. No one's going right, to exactly. that over yeah. a fence. You know, not at least not without a uh, you know a group or a um, bionic arm. <laughs> a, uh, it was Williman who had the rock placed on a pedestal in the east end zone where it remains today. The rock made its first appearance on September twenty four, uh, September twenty fourth, nineteen sixty six. Clemson was losing to Virginia by eighteen points with seventeen left to play. Tigers made up the deficit, won the game forty to thirty five. The next season was when the tradition of rubbing the rock upon entering the stadium began. Howard reportedly said to his players, if you're going to give me 110%, you can rub that rock. If you're not, keep your filthy hands off of it. <laughs> well, that's and uh, and there it goes. And there it was, there it was born. 
So you know, every university's got something that they uh, has some lore behind. You know, (laughs) I I just love the part. It was a doorstop for six years in his office. And folks, if you could see the size of that's not a rock, that's a boulder. Yeah, that's that's a good chunk of earth. It's big. All right, we're going to be right back to close up the first hour of the Legacy Heating Heating Game Day Show on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Hey, that first hour went really quick. We want to thank Michael Floyd and Jimmy Clausen for uh, taking the time out of their week to join us. We're going to be right back after a short break for the second hour of the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. Joining us will be former Fighting Irish teammates Rocky Blyer and Terry Hanratty. And we'll catch up with former Notre Dame NFL wide receiver Chris Haynes. Stay right where you are on the home for Fighting Irish football, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we're back on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. I just had to show Jim one of my uh, texts this week for our guests in the uh, uh, last half hour of the show uh, between Rocky and Terry Hanratty that I always ask guests about talking to Smack, and they are already talking it back and forth and stuff. Maybe I'll read that later on. But uh, um, for right now, um, Clemson is tonight. This afternoon. Oh, this afternoon. Jeez, I'll see. <laughs> talk, talk, yeah. Why should I be all uh, weirded on the time when the next guest we come on, or I got, is in a different time zone at 7 a.m. for him to get up and do that, and I'm I'm here complaining. I don't know what's going on. Well, it is 8 a.m. here. Yeah, so, I know. I mean, it's not, it's not, we're not all that much in the future. No, so. but for him to get up at this early, man, he's a busy guy, and that yeah. would be former Notre Dame NFL wide receiver Chris Haynes. Good morning, Chris. Hi, guys. How are you? Yep. Doing well. We're doing it again publicly. I will thank you for doing this for me and, and getting up. Not a, you know, not a problem. But you're used to different time zone changes, so we're going to start um, now, and then we'll go to the uh, the past. But uh, tell me what was going on this last year. Um, you were over in Italy coaching a team. Yeah, I was over there uh, like it was the year before, and um, didn't do that great this year. We're uh, we're four and four. Um, and I, but the good news is I got back here and I'm coaching at Loyola Academy up here okay. and, uh, coach the freshman level, but our varsity is, uh, have a, we have our second playoff game today. We beat Mount Carmel, which is our rival last week. Great. And they were, they were, they were number one previously. And, uh, so we're, we're undefeated in number one, but everybody's looking to knock us off. So it's always tough this time of year in playoffs. Absolutely. And in Italy, you won that, didn't you? And what was that league? That's the, uh, the Italian league. The year before, we won it and went undefeated. Okay. This year, we moved up a division. So we got a higher division, a little tougher competition. Had a lot of injuries and uh, numbers were a little down. Um, but, yeah, it was still – I don't know if I'm going to do it again. Um, I got homesick, to be honest with you. Well, sure. How long were you over there? This year I was I was there about two months, just about. Yeah, that is a long time. Last year I was there for about five and a half, and that was brutal. I bet you has real good Italian food, though. And you wouldn't think living in Italy would be a bad thing, but it's just not the same. Sure. You know? But sure. Um, when you're coaching, whether it's there or your high school, what elements do you take from anybody that's coached you, you over the years? And what attributes would they be that you picked up from your coaches? I, that's a great question, No. It's changing a lot now. I mean, uh, but the, the simple thing is that it can never get, it's it's all about work and what you take away from it when you have to teach people, whether they're 
uh, adults, college or high school or, or youth, is that what you get for football is probably the biggest, in my opinion, is one of the sports that's the biggest sport, is the biggest team sport there is. I mean, you have 11 guys in the field and something can go wrong. You play, everybody else is playing well. And if you don't do your job, you take one away. Um, uh, one person doesn't do their job. The team cannot, you know, succeed sometimes. You know, you can have a great all, all game long. It's 0-0. The defense is stopping them. And then one play to cornerback looks at his girlfriend and the guy goes by before touchdowns. <laughs> like uh, but seriously, you know, that's one thing. And the other thing I try to teach, whether which, whatever level it is, is that what I learned was it's a, you're going to have these relationships for life, the camaraderie and the college play, players you play with, sweat with, and lead with. Uh, you always have that. And more importantly, you never, you can never be good enough. You always have to, uh, what I've taken from my coaches is that you know, you have to continue to be, it's an it's a effort, 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 and no matter what you did the day before, winning the game, you know, that, that stays in the field. You can't rely on that in the next game. So things like that. Do any of your receivers uh, at every any level um, come to you knowing that you played wide receiver to, at a high level and, and uh, get, some, <laughs> get some tips? I got Pat Fitzgerald's kid, uh, Brandon, this year. Oh, <laughs> because I go. Do you want the old? Do you want the uh, the pro one? He goes. I want the icon. So, <laughs> they, were, they were all pretty impressed with that. I was kind of kind of a lot of Notre Dame kids. Uh, or you know, they're all like, "He, my grandpa knows you." I'm like, "Thanks a lot." It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then one one got one uh, one of my guys wanted to ask me, but my grandpa wanted me to ask him at the Missouri game. I go, well, "Tell your grandpa that's why I got in a coach and slid on me." I teach the kids not to make the same mistakes I do. <laughs> well, I yeah, it's just, it's, you start to realize how old you kind of are. Well, uh, I but can't... I do these little youth camps. I've had one time. Did you have a face mask when you played? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were they playing in leather helmets? <laughs> yeah, that's well. Yeah, they thought they're funny, but they're not. They're right, 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 right. <laughs> I can relate a little bit of that. I had kids late in, late in life, so I went with my uh, my daughter, what, my the last of my four daughters, to uh, one of the Vincent school, and one of the boys turns around and goes, "Mia, you brought your grandpa." <laughs> oh <laughs> my, yeah, wow. I could just see both my 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 uh, daughter's hands clinching like she was ready to deck that kid or whatever. I said, "No, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, I'm not old. I just got a lot of experience on my side. That's it." Well, that's that's what it is. Yeah, right. You know, but it's just time time flies. It goes by and. You realize you're seeing uh, your buddy's grandkids playing, you know, things. Right. So, right. This is a legacy. It's a good, it's, this is the legacy. Sorry. This is the legacy in your game day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're with uh, former Notre Dame NFL wide receiver Chris Haynes. Okay, so now let's go back to the beginning. Coming out uh, of Ohio, you played rocket football, um, or what kind of, what level did you start playing at? I started playing at. I think eighth or ninth grade, and I wasn't too good. I was a really small town, and I was a third third team wide receiver. My father was the coach of the uh, high school team, and we were like one of the top teams in Ohio. Ohio, but not this. You know, it was a small town, so we were we had a lot of kids in our, our town. I only had one high school, so um, yeah. So I had to, you know, I didn't really play that well to my senior year, um, and then I got recruited everywhere. I was always fast, but I was small. Was Ohio State in the mix since it's right there? Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Notre Dame were my last three choices. I'm going to read and, a uh, 
I'm going to read a quote here that I took out from my research describing you as you were going to go into college. Chris Haynes shifted from a flourishing musician in junior high to a star football player and track runner for Sydney High School. So there's where your speed was. What were you What were your running events for a track? I ran 100, 200, and 400 altogether. And then I, I, my senior year, I got scared and got lazy, which I wish I wouldn't have done. But because um, there was a guy that was really fast in our district running like 46, 46, three and four, four forty. It was not meters then. So, um, but I when I was a kid, I think I was sixth in the uh, nationals when wow. I was twelve wow. and two hundred. But I got smoked by a guy. One of the guys was uh, went on to win a bronze medal in the Olympics. Uh, I remember that. Wow. Sidebar. I wasn't world. I wasn't world class. I did beat Edward Moses in high school, but wasn't world class. <laughs> but I was fast enough to run track at Notre Dame. I would see. I, I and, would see, uh, see that. Before I move on from that, uh, I'd like to know what was your f- flourishing musician? What was your uh, instrument? I played, believe it or not, I played the flute. Oh wow! Okay. Well, and I wish I would have played the piano, but uh, like John Scully. But uh, you you must have you know. played the heck out of that if they call it a flourishing musician. Well, I got teased <laughs> and bullied a lot, so I'm sure <laughs> I'm I decided I'll show you guys what you know what it is. So. Uh, just take your <laughs> got it, got it. Hey, who um, came to your home to talk to your parents to recruit you to Notre Dame? A guy named Bob. You'd have to give me a story. My father was a football player at Miami of Ohio under air, played under air for season. And his teammates were Bo Schembechler and uh, among others. And uh, a guy that was on the football team, Paul Schultz, was the defensive back coach for Notre Dame. Okay. So that's who came to, to wow. visit me. He was there. He was a, uh, and then Tom Pagna also was there. If you remember Tom. Absolutely, Tom's offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, yeah. At the time, so they were they were all teammates at Miami. So I had a little bit of luck there. But Michigan, though, Bo was you know his it was dead dad's guy. So that was a little tough when I decided to go to right. Michigan. So I think my father was going would would have gone with for maybe a coaching job, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, Notre Dame Divine never came to my house. Uh, so I was gonna, you, that's what I was going to ask. So when was your first you, uh, uh, your first contact with Coach Devine? Uh, when I was when I went up there for a recruiting trip on my fifth uh, fifth visit, I mean fifth my fifth college visit. So uh, mm. after the recruiting process, back then it wasn't the same as it is now. Um, they had letters of intent you had to sign, and you could sign a conference letter of intent. Of course, Notre Dame wasn't in the conference, so I could literally sign with one of the Big Ten schools. And then uh, not go there. So, okay. but you couldn't you couldn't declare. They weren't allowed to talk to you. They could come to your game. They weren't allowed to talk to you until after your season was over. Not like now. So it's a little bit different. And uh, so they would, after the season was over, then they would start. You, know, you could go see them, any, or they could come see you anytime, and they would and start flooding. You know, the phone calls would come all out of nowhere, just like this crazy. So, what was their uh, defining? Um event that happened that caused you to go to Notre Dame? I don't know if there was an event. I was, my mom wanted me to go to Ohio State because Woody was really pushed. Woody really went after the, the moms, and they loved him. And uh, Bo was, you know, I, I, I don't re- really recall, but 
parents want my mom wanted me to go to Ohio State, dad wanted me to go to Michigan. And I didn't really want to go to Notre Dame at first, but I was going out with a girl whose dad was a Notre Dame fan, so I started paying attention. Then <laughs> I started look, started looking into it a little bit more, and uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I thought that was the first. Place, I thought that there was one place, and I think it was definitely the right decision because I don't think I would have been able to play at Michigan or Ohio State because they wanted me to play a different position. What was that? What he wanted me to play house at Ohio State at defensive back safety. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bo wanted me to play, say, I think, defense also. Nobody was recruiting me for running back or wide receiver. Well, running back, I was getting recruited by Northwestern and Indiana to play tailback. And I looked at their schedule. I said, there's no way. I don't like like it. I'm only 175 pounds. I'm not going to get hit for Nebraska. Because they were playing out of conference teams that were unbelievable back in the day. So um, I just thought I'd have a – my opinion, I was just thinking to myself, it's got a great education there. I'm not saying it's better at Ohio State or Michigan, but it kind of like your, your academics and undergrad are, are better, actually. And uh, I think um, Michigan's not bad, but I just thought that I'd be able to place uh, sooner uh, and play. I had an opportunity. I don't think they were recruiting. They didn't know where they wanted to put me, so that, that, that was, I was thinking out wide, wide receivers. So, although I never really played wide receiver except for like an eighth grader, ninth grade. Really? So, yeah, because you came to Notre Dame and you played as a freshman, right? Yeah, but I I, I couldn't catch a quite. I mean, I I think I didn't catch that well my senior year. I think Chris, you're I so you're so honest. Years. I don't think I've ever heard anybody on that said any, that at all about their playing before. Thank you for being so well, honest. I mean, I started going back to my game films and I was always open and getting open, and but I was dropping a lot. I had a lot of drops. In SC game, I think I had five drops and I had nine catches. Oh. T- and I asked Joe, I said, he goes, yeah, yeah, but I figure you were always opening because two, you'd catch two out of three at least. <laughs> so I said, well, okay. So that he, wasn't really I, – I could have had a lot of better better career had I been able to catch that well. But, I, you know, I, I got better. But I have small hands, and so I made my, 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 my uh, way as a blocker. That's why I started freshman year. How did that relationship turn out? What's that? How did the uh, relationship with the girl that you were uh... – <laughs> we better not go there. <laughs> I got, not I kind of. When I got to college, I think it was all over. But unfortunately, she got. She worked at better for her. She had nine kids. If he was, if he was an ordained fan, he kept saying, "Why aren't you still dating that Haynes kid from right. Notre Dame?" And stuff. It was not a great. Yeah, it was not a great breakup for. Her. Uh, I just, yeah. So who were you just, behind you know, on the receiver oh, chart when you? I'm sorry. Who were you behind on the receiver chart when you? Uh... Uh, Teddy Bergmeyer was a mm-hmm. wide receiver before they moved him to cornerback, and Dan Kelleher. And then uh, my senior year, or sophomore year, I was starting, and um, then I really had a bad game against Pitt. Uh, it's a long story, but Dan took over, and then he was a senior, uh, so I didn't play as much. He's then uh, junior and senior year, I started every game. Yeah, so I started all four years. More my freshman year than sophomore. And you had to uh, catch the ball from a number of different quarterbacks. Yeah, I didn't think I caught. I didn't think I caught a ball till uh, Oregon game in the middle of my second year. So you know, I caught a two point conversion. But no, I was mostly a blocker, and they send me in. Did same thing that happened in the pros. But I had Rick Slager, and then uh, I think. Frank Alaco was supposed to start, but Rick Slager started in Montana, came in a couple games, and then, mm-hmm. then he got hurt again. Um, and then sophomore year, Montana was got hurt for spring practice, so he was out the whole year. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So that's why he read. That's why we graduated together because he got hurt. Okay. And Rick Slager was the quarterback that second year, and then third year Rusty Lish. Oh yeah. Was the starting quarterback, and then mm-hmm. you know you know the history on that and right. after the Purdue game, and and then uh, so it was Joe Rust Joe Rusty um, and um, Gary Forstick actually was a very very good quarterback as well. But he did, he didn't get much time. He got hurt in the Purdue game, and then there was Frank Locko. I think was from backing up Tommy Clements. He was on there, so we had you know five guys that were pretty pretty good. Tim and Jim with former Friday Night Irish wide receiver and a member of the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame, Chris Haynes. And we'll get to that uh, that moment that put you into that Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. But when do you know when that aha moment happened that you realized, Joe, and you had this connection as quarterback and receiver? I Well, we had McAfee, so I didn't really think of myself as his receiver, you know, the junior year in. But we worked really, really hard in the summer. You know, I had, I think it was the second leading receiver on the team my junior year, but, you know, Max B was the All-American, and they, you know, they used me on third downs because I had a lot of one-on-one coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I figured. I could, hey, maybe I can be a good wide receiver uh, next year. And I, I had, had led the, I think I set the record in my junior year, yards for catch, but I was running a lot of deep routes, a lot of run, comebacks. And I got, you know, a lot of play action on the first down. So I had, a, you know, got, got a lot of connection there. I was a, ran a good comebacks. It's probably my favorite route, um, you know, a deep comebacks. Anyway, so uh, there's a lot of times towards the end of the year they, they went to me a lot more than McAfee. So I was getting getting open better. So I was getting my confidence a little bit. I think that had something to do with it also. In uh, nine- I think that I think that senior year we were started working out every day, or not every day, but pretty close to three or four times a week uh, in the summer. When I started to realize that we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be the guy this year. Doesn't uh, that happen quite often? Where a quarterback will have a favorite receiver or somebody to look for when they've already gone off of one or two uh, looks, and they have to find a the third or secondary receiver doesn't that happen a lot with quarterbacks, or is that just something that Joe? Joe, well, in the day, Joe was very good at that. Joe never predetermined. A lot of times, guys now will predetermine they're going to throw to you know, which is going to be a challenge. I think. Well, Sam Hartman's not going to have that challenge. But I think he goes through his progress progressions. Now they lost that tight end, but uh, I just I think uh, a lot of quarterbacks predetermine who they're throwing to, which gets them in trouble. Um. But a good example might be NFL. This kid from uh, Tennessee was looking for DeAndre Hopkins all the time when other guys were open when they show their replays. He's a rookie. And he's got a lot of potential, but defensive coordinators are pretty smart. So, yeah, that's you always have this. I, the other thing you teach the receivers is don't take, take a playoff. You never know where they're going to come to. Mm-hmm. But generally, in my opinion, nowadays, I think these quarterbacks, some most of them will come off their, you know, they, were, they will always be thinking about the guy they like the most. They have most confidence in it. And sometimes that gets them in trouble because they get intercepts because defenses are taught to look at the quarterback's eyes. Sure. They always talk about quarterbacks staring out at people. Joe is not one of those people. Joe would look at safety off and, uh, you know, he was trouble for defenses because you couldn't tell where he was going to go. And you always had to be awake because you never, like you said, uh, he'd come back to you. But there were design plays that, you know, pretty much that it's who it is first, you know. So you know, that's what they did back then. It's changed a little bit now. 
Do you have any recollection of uh, the Irish's 21-17 to 17, uh, win in 1977 at Clemson? you remember anything about playing at Clemson? Yeah, I do. I got a cut under my – I got a scar on my chin from getting hit on a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't hurt or anything. I just did. guy hit me with a helmet, and then I got pummeled by the linebacker after trying to run up the field a little bit. And, um, yeah, I remember that. What I do remember about that game is that it was – you know, they didn't like us too much in the South, you know, and you know, I don't know how much has changed, but back then it was a really turbulent time. And you know, the South didn't like Catholics, and I, I didn't know that because I wasn't Catholic. But uh, you know, we went to went there. There's a bomb threat the night before. We had to evacuate the hotel. <laughs> oh, there's a classic. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember looking. We we're in a bus, and they had these tiger paws leading to the hotel. So they were they were insane. And um, then then we walked in. It was very very quiet. And all the fans were going, shh, they're all like whispering or like making it so they wouldn't make any noise. And Clemson wasn't warming up. And it was getting close to game time. We went in the locker room, came back out. They still weren't out there. And everybody was going, everybody's going, shh, there's 80,000 fans doing that, shh. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you hear this cannon go off and you look up and there's Clemson coming down this little, yeah. this big rock up there. And I think one of the guys fell, and he was rolling down. And it, <laughs> I've often wondered about went, that, how they keep wow, that from place, people. That's got to happen more than it we think, actually, I've never, seen, I've never seen, and they call it Death Valley, I guess, and they've never seen anything like that in my life. We played the Old Miss that same year. That was crazy, too. Right. But this, these guys had 80,000 nuts uh, down there, and it was all orange. Uh, they had a really, really good team. I, I don't I think they were undefeated at the time, and they had uh, Dwight Clark, Steve Fuller, uh, Refrigerator Perry's brother at Refridge. Refridge was on the team. And they had Jerry Butler was a first-round draft choice. Uh, they had a really, really good team. And uh, we they came out to the gate, and they were kind of – I wouldn't say we were intimidated. I just said they, they were full of energy, and you know how that goes. And then the second half, we took over and beat them. Time goes fast here. We've only got about three or four minutes, and I got so many things asked. But it would oh, be, boy, I'm sorry. I would be sorry no, no, that. no. I love it. I, I wish I had more time. I, I need to have you on uh, again. Um, I, I'd be remiss not doing my job though if we didn't talk about the uh, soup bowl or anything like that. So, what's it like in the huddle when you're 22 down and you got eight minutes left in the game? Well, in that game, it was cold. Right. So oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> keep my hands warm are really important. Um, Joe never. Joe was just one of those. And this just goes on, goes on. Talk about him in the Super Bowl. They just, he just never, he never. He, everything was like was zero to zero, and he would try to keep it loose. And it was tough at that point because he wasn't feeling well. But uh, yeah, he he just we had the confidence. I think what when he had to block punt, like, uh, Tony Belden, I think blocked it, and then since he ran it in, I think that's what we figured. Hey, we might be able to come back on this, and you never know. And so mm-hmm. we did. And the rest is history. So. And yeah, well, that, that Joe actually, cool personality, even then. Yeah, and well, and that catch, you know, far in the corner with the cameras. I remember watching it in the camera. You couldn't even really see what was go, going. I was on. inbound. Could, there was no question. I oh, mean, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. No I question. believe that. <laughs> I, I actually hit a guy on two plays before that. Who I hit him with a, with a shot to the chops, to the chops and knocked him into the helmet. Helmet. His helmet went into the. The sideline camera, and that's why it broke. Um, <laughs> wasn't working. Yeah, I know that because there was a sideline camera down there because I had the Joe Montana story, and they showed a picture of that, and then you see it go black. So I mean, so there was a sideline camera, wow. but the referee was standing perfectly. I, I you know, I looked at what I saw. He was standing perfectly on the sideline, so 
There was no question. And I saw another another clip of it from uh, uh, that you just see me sliding on my back, my feet in bounds on the in, inside the line. So, and I think it was the great Lindsey Nelson was calling that game, and I I still remember that a touchdown Notre Dame. Hey, it's but, really hard to see. It was really hard to see. Yes, wasn't it? It was yeah, he didn't call it right. He didn't call it right away a touchdown because I couldn't tell. Yeah, I would have. So. You know what? The worst thing would have been, guys, is that they had an instant replay like they did now, and it takes for like twenty minutes. Yeah, that yeah. Some oh things. <laughs> hey, before I part, would the guy that gave you the scar on that hit at Clemson would that be a targeting call nowadays? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably not. <laughs> I don't know. It was. I saw the. You have to see it. You have to. The guy kind of hit me right as I was turning up the field, and then another guy kind of undercut me. But there was a lot of targeting stuff you could call back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I got it. But, you know, we didn't think about that because we were we didn't think of ourselves as defenseless wide receivers. The thing now, those guys go across the middle. They're not worried about getting hit. And I tell you, that was, that was the biggest thing of making teams and stuff because the guys would be afraid to go across the middle. Now they don't because they're not going to get hit. Well, Nobody according tackles to, anybody low anymore either. Right. According so to I don't us, think I would have made it. I wouldn't have made it today's yeah. day the same as I did. So, <laughs> According to those kids, you either had a leather helmet on or you only had one, the old-fashioned with just one guard on it, right? So, <laughs> Well, you guys you guys remember real quickly, you remember those helmets in high school. If you took that off, it would look like a leather helmet. So yeah, those are that bad. You're right. They were not much protection. Chris, again, I'm indebted to you. I know I texted you and said, hey, next time you're in town, uh, drinks on me or whatever. And you said, no, let's drink and we'll split dinner time. So whatever. Still on me because for you getting up and because now probably you can't go back to sleep. Now you're so charged up now. I, I, I got to. Yeah, I got to. I'm not going to. So but I, I, for you guys, I'm always there for you. So appreciate always it. know that. Thanks and I'm again, sorry Chris. I talked too much. We didn't get up. No, no, I like that. I, yeah. I'm so apologize too that we don't have more time. We got Terry Hanratty and Rocky Blyer in the bullpen waiting right now, chomping at the bit. So we'll. Uh, Tell we'll, Terry Hanratty I said hello. I don't know Rocky, but I know Terry. So I will do that. I will do that. And you go have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. And that was a Notre Dame great receiver. Maybe super receiver, as far as I'm concerned. Grew up watching games and stuff. Uh, Chris Haynes. We'll be right back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT with Rocky Blyer and Terry Hanratty. At KeyBank, we know a small moment like, ooh, these sandals would go really well with a beach, can lead to an even bigger question like, should I splurge on a trip this year? And that's the type of moment where we'll meet you with financial advice on everything from budgeting for travel to building savings. So maybe that destination isn't too far off. What do you think, Cindy? I think these sunglasses would go well with a tiny umbrella drink. Hey, all right. It's all fun in the morning here. You know what? These guys are are used to having game plans not going right some days. Well, we had to improvise whatever. Technology, as I always say at my agency, it's only good when it works because, man, when it don't work, you're tied up. So I apologize, gentlemen. Rocky Blyer, Terry Hanratty, both there? Okay. We're on. Hey, Brett. How are you? Hey, Rock. How you doing, man? Okay, fine. All right. So Terry said, and you didn't get to hear this, Rocky, that... He just lost a hundred dollar bet because he thought you would forget about the interview. So do you want to throw? I know some- that. I saw. I heard him. I heard him. Oh, I you heard did. Him. <laughs> what's what? What's and Mac? You heard, do- and you heard his response too. <laughs> I did not quite hear the response. I got cut off. So tell me what that response was, Rock. There was none. There was none. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, you guys must have had a great time. Tell tell me how. Do either one of you remember the first time that you guys 
met with a, uh, a kid from Butler, Pennsylvania, and a kid from Appleton, Wisconsin? Well, Go ahead, Ron. you got a better memory. Well, that's great. That's a, now I got to crank back to only some fifty-some years. <laughs> that's right. I, you know, so yeah, yeah. So Terry did, was spring practice actually. You know, it was his freshman year, um, or after the, 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 after his freshman year, his spring practice. Because you were a year ahead um, of him, right, Rock? Yeah, so I was just okay. a year ahead, and uh, you know, so. It, <clears throat> with it was like okay, it was like who's going to play? We got some young quarterbacks coming in, you know, and so on. So spring practice is always a, uh, a challenge at that time, just to see where the team was going to go. And of course, um, and I was just trying to you know fill a spot um, coming into my junior year that year as well. And who you know for me it was like I, I you know I don't know what was going to take place. It looked like they were <laughs> they were going to uh, go with maybe three wide receivers. You know, we had uh, uh, Jim Seymour, the Baby Bombers, as it went on to be with with Terry and Jim Seymour, and then um, uh, so we didn't know whether they were going to go with a uh, a flanker back or a pro set, uh, you know, or a full backfield as we done did in the past and so on. So that was my first my first interaction with uh, with Terry. Uh, that that I remember that you know just seeing how and that was going to develop at the, at that point of time. Terry was a, that that a quarterback depth chart was was quite a long depth chart. Where where were you at in the pecking order when you first started? Uh, you I know. would say probably about third, I think. Okay, because it was it, it was real. It's so it's so different back then than it is today because we had in my class we had four quarterbacks who were all state in this in the state they were from. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Branger from Indiana, Bob oh, Belvin yeah. from mm-hmm. Ohio, and Coley O'Brien from the Maryland, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. area. And, you know, something, we all stayed. And we all competed, and I think we all made each other better. And so, uh, you know, it's, that's the way it went for four years. And then we're still dear friends to this day. Yeah. Rocky, let's start with you. When did you know that 1966 team was going to be special? Well, yes. Well, they. I mean, that's a, they, that's a, that's a loaded question because I don't think you know. One of the things you have to understand, and we're going to go back in time, you know, is that the the turning point or part of the success of of Notre Dame's um, success at that moment, I believe, uh, happened in the 1964 or or before 1964. And that's when the NCAA changed their substitution ruling. Prior to 1964, at the change of the ball, you could only substitute three players on the team. Wow, I don't remember that. Wow. And so, um, and so, people had to play both ways. Mm-hmm. So your fullback was your middle linebacker. Your center was your nose tackle. You know, and um, and I say that because you have to. Re- 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 Remind yourself that there was always a plethora of good players mm-hmm. uh, that um, had been recruited beforehand and so on. So I'm going to give you an example. Pete Duranko. Mm-hmm. Pete Duranko was a fullback. He was out of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. He was six foot that's, three, two hundred and forty pounds. I was going to say that's a big, that's a big, big fullback. Boy. Big fullback, you know, and so. <laughs> 
era comes in and the rule changes and they make him a defensive tackle. Great athlete. Um, and, um, uh, and he becomes an All-American as a defensive tackle and goes on and plays in the NFL thereafter. I, I tell you that because all of a sudden now I, I don't have to compete with a fullback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and so in, in that same, or, or in that defensive same sense, tackle. Or, or defensive <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so but that opened that opened different avenues for players to uh, get a chance to play. Um, and Tommy Shane, for instance, Tommy Shane, my our our sophomore year, our sophomore year was um, was the backup quarterback. He then became an All American defensive back. And the number okay. one, number two draft choice for the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. But I say that because you know our exposure, our exposure was that under a new regime era, um, being that 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 year as a freshman, his first year playing. Our sophomore year was a, they also got to remember freshmen did not play back then. Right, right. And so. Um, and so your sophomore year was 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 kind of the first starting year. That sophomore team um, was a was the backup team. Mm-hmm. So we had an all sophomore backfield because we were eras guys next to come in line. Hopefully, as the as the as the, as the years came along, uh, but got a chance to play. Part of that you got a chance to play because. People like Pete Taranko were moved to other rest. We had another running back that became an offensive tackle. Uh, and so all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to play better than you had prior to that, or at least to be shown. So that helped uh, you know, players and depth charts uh, become better uh, in college and especially at Notre Dame. That's Rocky Blyer. This is the Legacy Heating Air, Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Terry, how about you for that year in, in 66? Did, uh, did you get any idea, uh, you know, um, of that your team was going to be that good or, or you just knew you were going to be very competitive? Well, I think it really goes back a little ways, you know, in a different way than Rock mentioned, was that, you know, we probably should have won three national championships in a row. Because 64, you know, we had the, the the, friend, the uh, phantom holding penalty yes. out of Southern Cal, we, yes. we would have won that year. Right. The '65 was pretty much the same team as '66, except for you know quarterback and receivers. Mm-hmm. And Bill's locker, I love him dearly, but you know he just wasn't you know a, a throwing quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if they would have had someone who could throw the ball at '65, I think we could have won, won uh, that one. Then '66, I mean the team was there. All they were looking for was a quarterback and a wide receiver. And, uh, you know, so Jim and I were the two guys who were the big question marks. And, uh, you know, we obviously come out and did pretty well. But, you know, it was that, that was a senior laden team and a, and a veteran team. And, you know, it's easy when you have, you know, five seconds to throw the ball and you always get the ball on the 50 yard line. You know, so uh, those stats that those we put, put up back then were just, were just incredible. And that was just, you know, one of those, you know, one of those things, it was great that we, we won the national championship, but, you know, the little luck we could have had three in a row. <laughs> Terry, how how was it having uh, uh, Era's brain and Tom Pagna's brain on the offensive side? And I'm going to ask follow-up with you, Rocky, too, uh, <clears throat> that the three of you would all work, work together. 
Tell me about that relationship. Oh, it was great because the three of us, you know, and the other quarterbacks and Tom and, and Eric, we were always together. And, uh, you know, Eric was just a phenomenal person, you know, on and off the field. I mean, he, he cared more about your graduation than, than I think uh, just the winning the game. But don't lose. Put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, but, but it was, uh, you know, you, we never went into a game and said, oh, man, we, got, we, we never expected that. We we're always prepared. If we ever tired or lost the game, it was because of, of the execution on the field. And Aaron always had us prepared. And and Tom was. Uh, I wish he would have had a shot at being head coach at yes. Notre Dame way yes. back when. Yeah. And I think that would have been. I think he would have been. You talk about an extension of Era, and mm-hmm. he would have been able to carry on Era's legacy. And that would have been, I think, a real way for Notre Dame to go, but, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah, and, uh, I think a lot of people agree history. with that, too. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, Rocky, Tom Pagna, Eric Parsegian, you know, on the sidelines, the, the brains for the offense. What's your comments on that? <laughs> yeah, and, and especially what Terry was saying was that they got us, they got us prepared. They, I mean, they got us prepared week after week after week after week, not only um, physically, within the game, but also emotionally within the game. Um, I do remember era, you know, well, I remember, you know, era, so we'd play, we'd play Saturday, you know, Sunday we'd have off and we'd have a meeting uh, on Monday, you know, and start the week's work. And so we'd go over the, over the game and uh, what had happened the week before. And then just, you know, just then era would, Era would slowly drop in some uh, great achievement by the team that we're going to play. Let us just say, <laughs> let us just say, we're playing the Sisters of the Poor. You know, we've never <laughs> won a game yet, and we're and we're and we're going to go go up against them. Era would start on Monday, and he would find something that they had done or accomplished. Um, in either a game and or in, for the season, you know that that they led they led their opponents in X or this or that, um, <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like, oh okay, well by the time Friday came and the game was on Saturday, you were thinking you were playing um, the greatest football game or the greatest football team that had been assembled, you know at that time. So he would. You know, he would just psychologically uh, prepare you in that in, that there was no easy game. That they had this talent, they had this ability, they had, had done this, um, and so you didn't take anything for granted. I thought that was that was that was a great preparation for us as we as we went into the game. And we never thought that uh, there was a team that we could just run over um, um, and beat. Um, but uh, Arrow would have us that prepared. Kind of like Tom Pagna. Mm-hmm. Tom Pagna, on the other hand, as my backfield coach, um, I, I and I have to say this is that the fundamentals that I learned at Notre Dame, more that was taught at Notre Dame from uh, stance, blocking, footing, reasons why things take place was uh, so in, so important later on. I, you didn't think about it, but it made me, a, made me a better ball player coming into the pros because of those fundamentals. 
for instance, for instance, just a simple little thing is that everything that was ever done always had a reason. You had to have a reason why things would work this way. So in the offensive line, if you were on the right side of the offensive line, you got down in a left-handed stance. If you were on the left side of the offensive line, you got down in a right-handed stance. Now, it doesn't seem like much, but most people playing this game are right-handed, let us mm -hmm. just say. So it's just easy, no matter where you are on the field, to just get in a right-handed stance, but not at Notre Dame. And there were reasons coming on, because if you're coming across, if you're taking a sweep to the left and you're on the right side in your left-handed stance, the first step was a crossover. It was a crossover. Then you opened up to a plant because the quarterback, Terry, would take a drop step, turn, and you were both in a position to make sure that the ball was going to be placed within the uh, in the stomach, you know, of that running back. That your hip off. wasn't yeah. in the way. That mm -hmm. your that your body wasn't turned. You know, these little things like that, and so it became very important later on. Uh, and I, I remember, I remember my rookie year with the with the Steelers, and I was playing flanker back along with playing a running back and so on. And one of the statements was this, listen, they changed the rules in the NFL. Um, you can no longer um, clip that um, outside linebacker as you're going down to block them. You have to get your head and your shoulders in front of their thighs. Okay, so if you're flanking off to the right, I'm going to ask this question. How many of you can get into a left-handed stance? I was the only one that could raise their hand. Wow. Not that it made a difference, but that's but a small detail. Said, we that, don't want you to. Yeah. We don't want you to cheat in. We don't. You know, we don't. We don't want you to give away that you're going to block and so on and so on. Anyway, not that it makes sense, but it's those kinds of little things that I thought were so important in the success uh, of, uh, of, of of at Notre Dame during that period of time that Terry and I were there that that made us better ball players. Um, and uh, better competitors. Hey Terry, we uh, we know that Era had the uh, the big tower there, and I asked this from, from a lot of players. But were you ever uh, called out by uh, Coach Era from that tower during practice? No, because I was perfect. But <laughs> 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 oh, well, well, no, you didn't want to. Be. I'm sure I was. But, uh, Aaron, you know, Aaron was, if he ever corrected a quarterback, it was always you and Aaron. Okay. He always yeah. had the philosophy that he doesn't want his captain, we'll say, mm -hmm. on the field, you know, the, the quarterback or the middle linebacker, we'll say. He doesn't want them to be, you know, yelled at in front of the whole group. Hmm. He'll take you aside and say, you know, what happened there? What happened? But the, the one good thing was you know, Ron Dushney. Was our was one of our running backs? <laughs> I was just, I was just and every, every time, and he used to screw up occasionally, right? So every time he would screw up, Aaron, Aaron yell at him. He said, get, "Get up, Dusty! Get over here!" 
grab your ankles. He'd grab his ankle and kick him in the ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's got, to, it's got to be, you know, after a while, they'll start liking this thing. Right. But uh, then one day we're out there warming up, and all of a sudden we see Eric coming onto the field. You know, practice hadn't even started yet. And he says, uh, we said, look, you know, he's just huffing coming out there. We go, oh, what the hell happened? Something, something, something bad. So all of a sudden Eric gets close and he yells, Dusty, grab your ankles. And we're all going, what practice hadn't even started yet? And he said, I know damn well you're going to screw up today. Bang. He kicked him again. <laughs> Preemptive. <laughs> but no, error, you know, he, he, you, didn't want, you didn't want him to come down off the tower. It was okay if he made corrections on the field from the tower. But once he came down, you know he was really upset about something. Wasn't uh, probably his uh, best attributes was, I know we started this out to begin the conversation, but finding people and putting them in the right positions – Rocky. Oh, it was it was in, it was in. Oh, go ahead, Rock. No, go ahead, Terry. Go ahead, Terry. No, no, no. You're right. I, no. you know, I thought that you know the, those changes that he made in in, in 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 people that he that he found were you know were instrumental in our success. We've only got about a minute oh, here. Time fl- time flies up, guys. Sorry, uh, one minute, T- Terry. Can I ask you what do you want to see out of the Notre Dame quarterback tonight or today and in, in the rest of the season? I think it's going to be their their most difficult game tonight. Because they're going down to a hostile environment, and Dabo Sweeney is in, the, you know, getting a lot of heat. I have no clue why, because he's done more for Clemson than I think anybody's ever done. Right. And just because he has one, you know, bad year here, you know, that, you know, that's crazy to, to criticize him. But it's it's one of those games where Clemson has a lot of great athletes, and if these guys catch fire, they can be really difficult. So I think we've really got to come out early and strong, and you know, Hartman's got to be, you know. He, can't throw the picks this week. I mean, this is going. This is one of those teams that could uh, turn around on them. So, but I think Notre Dame will settle down in a hostile environment. They'll, you know, eventually settle down. I think they will win. You know. Hey Probably, guys, thanks. I'm third. What's the score? Go ahead. Go ahead. Thirty-one twenty-one. I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey guys, I'm sorry for that technical difficulty at the very beginning, and and the time goes fast. But uh, we've got to go to hit a hard break here. But Rocky Blair, Terry Hannity, really appreciate you being on. I'll get you guys on again because there's so much more to talk about. But I appreciate you taking the time today, guys. Okay, have a good one. Okay, all right. Thank you. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 